Welcome everyone and uh, welcome to my podcast Monty Meets. This time round I have the great man, the finisher for Sri Lankan cricket back in the 90s, early 2000s, now turned commentator, Mr. Russell Arnold. Russell, how are you mate? Good Monty, good, good seeing you, good being here and uh, nice to hear you say something nice about me. The finisher is at the moment finished. <laughs> well, <laughs> you say the finisher's finished. Um, a lot of people did say that you were a bit of um, Michael Bevan about you, you know, finishing the games for Sri Lanka, batting, you knew how to bat with the tail and win games for Sri Lanka, especially in ODI cricket. Well, going back to uh, my early, early stages, um, I grew up as an opening batsman, initially picked to play test cricket and uh, ODIs as an opener, but um, um, as time went on, the batting order was tweaked. We needed to find certain things and uh, uh, the coaches and the team management at that stage felt that I handled pressure well and read game situations well. So I was tried in the middle order and it worked uh, uh, very nicely uh, for me and the team. And um, being the last batsman coming in, uh, my role was adjusting to situations, as I said. So if there is a batsman in Basically, Sri Lanka had a lot of batsmen with flair. Um, just get them on strike. Just get them on strike. Keep it going till the end. And once they're dismissed, it was for me to get the best out of uh, the tail. So if you do go through my career carefully, you'd find that tail enders have outscored me. But um, it didn't worry me uh, because it's, that was my job, making sure we get home. And uh, more often than not, was able to do it. So uh, pretty pleased about that. Yeah, you obviously, um, let's go back to your debut, you know, on Test Cricket, Pakistan 1997 at Lahore. Um, yeah, Colombo, sorry, not Lahore, Colombo. Um, what was that like, you know, making your Test debut um, for Sri Lanka after, you know, in, I think in 90, what, 95, 96, where you broke Avinda de Silva's domestic record of the highest runs, you know, over, over 1,700 runs. It must have been a proud moment for you. It was. It was a surprising moment, in fact, Monty, uh, because I came into the scene just growing up, playing cricket, school cricket, and had an exceptional season in 92. Uh, my first overseas trip, I was picked on the under-19 tour, and that was to England. It was an amazing tour, a great experience. The first time we uh, played against a lot of different players, made lots of friends even up to now. So that's another special factor. Uh, the likes of Jeremy Snape, uh, Matt Windows, the Western, um, Philip Weston, he was um, the captain. Uh, Glenn Chappell was the leading fast bowler. So those were the type of players we, we played against. And then out of school, as you mentioned, my first couple of years uh, in first-class cricket, I was scoring heaps of runs. But uh, I was never getting a look in. There are valid reasons for that, Monty. In 19, around 1996, Sri Lanka were world beaters. And you also need players to be dropped. But is it is it to do with you're from a, 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 a ethnic you know minority in Sri Lanka? You're a Tamil, like Murumu Tamil Lutheran. Do you think that played that went against you, being a Tamil in Sri Lanka? No, I wouldn't. Um, I, I wouldn't like to say that. Uh, yes, there are challenges uh, around the world for various reasons, uh, but I would never look at anything like that. Uh, there was a valid reason, as I did say, Sri Lanka were world beaters around that period and um, everyone was informed. We had some fantastic players. So who are you going to drop? It's easy for me to say I'm scoring so many runs, play me. But 
everyone in the team uh, were scoring heaps too. They went on to win the World Cup. So it was a waiting game. And then came 1997. Um, Pakistan were on their way home. They were to play a couple of test matches in Colombo. Uh, they had a very fearsome fast bowling attack. The Wazims, the Wakars, and there was also one Mohamed Zaid who was termed super quick. Uh, had Brian Lara hopping around um, in the series in Australia. And um, they play a practice match as usual before the test match. And um, I was a reserve in that. I was not picked to play. And two opening batsmen, senior players than me, um, showed up and they said they were injured. So looked around. Here I go, I got a game. And I was caught early in my innings in the gully. I know who, uh, Asif Mujtaba caught it off Mohamed Zaid, but it was a no ball. By tea time, I was 140 not out. And um, Sri Lanka practice was happening that evening. Then the word came that Roshan Manama had been hit by a Yorker and he smashed his toe. Two days later was this test match. There was my opportunity. Now, I'd scored 1,500 runs the season before. There was no opportunity. And here, right time, right place, I guess. And there we are. Uh, so it was a quiet start. It was a great feeling. Came out of the blues. I think that's uh, the best way so that you don't have to think too much. Um, and since then, uh, Sri Lanka making tours overseas or whatever, I was that extra batsman gaining experience and rubbing shoulders with these guys and learning a lot. Well, I think that's amazing. You know, you, you had the determination, the, you know, the willpower to actually keep scoring runs year after year to get your place. Um, and uh, it was, it, it's great to see that, you know, you've obviously was a determined cricketer. But then let's go back to 2002, Champions League, well, sorry, uh, Champions Trophy final. And you had a bit of a clash with uh, Saraf Kanguli. Tell us about Borobaba. Everyone keeps asking me about that. Uh, well, a bit of banter. Uh, it is also a long story. You know, Saraf Ganguly is a very fierce competitor. He does not take a backward step. And, um, you know, uh, during our playing days, even against the English, they'll tell you we, we'd have a bit of banter, annoy each other. And that would be the same uh, with Saraf. And the year before, um, in a game that was played at the SSC, um, here I was out LBW to Saurabh and I was walking away now what have I done now he's going to give it back to me <laughs> and he did he actually followed me sledging me uh, but I didn't react I went back in and uh, it didn't look too good on TV so the match referee the early days of the match referees and Cammy Smith it was uh, called him in for uh, an inquiry that evening and he, he was on the edge um, we all I mean Sarah was so passionate and he plays hard uh, so he's, he's all, he always lived on the edge basically and um, um, those were the days that we had to go in to give evidence so I had to go in and asked what happened uh, well I said I was out I was on my way back I only realized um, that um, um, he was following me when I saw the replays I didn't hear anything I, I don't know I have not, nothing to say so there was nothing to go against uh, Saurav. He was given a warning and he got off. So then this match, once again, in the heat of the moment, yeah, I took a couple of steps down the wicket. Mahila said no. The Rahul was keeper. He said, stay off the wicket. So I said, yeah, 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 whatever. But then Saurav comes in and says, stay off the wicket, blah, blah, blah. And so I just replied saying, look, 
please behave. I don't have time to uh, keep attending inquiries to bail you out. Simple as that. <laughs> so that, that's um, that was caught on cams. Uh, I think it was Chef who was an umpire. He had to intervene a bit. But the basic conversation was that I don't want to waste my evening. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's uh, that's again very much Sri Lankan cricket. You know, they're, they're street smart cricketers and just want to, you know, um, focus on on winning games and and doing well for their for their country. And um, Sangakara also is is on record. After that game, where Sarov did come into our dressing room and uh, wanted assurance that we're not going to take anything any further, and we won't. It, it's all part of the game. We have a laugh about it and move on. Now that's brilliant. No, no, that, that is a uh, uh, absolutely brilliant. So um, the selectors they turned to youth uh, when you were called back uh, for the World Cup in 2007. Um, why did you retire midway through the World Cup? Well, um, after 2003, uh, life became harder because more theories were coming into the game um, and we must bring in youngsters. Certain coaches do come up with various theories and if you don't fit in, life becomes hard. So I made up my mind, I was still young, uh, that I was going to give it a good go till 2007. If I get to play, so be it. Uh, I was being moved up and down the batting order, which was not helping. Five, six was ideal, but batting at seven and below, um, I, I don't. You, you need a boundary hitter, and I'm I'm not that, and that was not actually suiting me, and it was quite frustrating. So this was my thought process: give it a go till 2007, look beyond young family. Um, uh, there's 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 other things in life that we need to look at, look out for. Uh, but fortunately, I was able to hit good form and uh, find my way back into 2000. So, so even though I announced my retirement during the tournament, my, my decision of this is where it ends was made a couple of years prior to that. Um, the, a theory that had come in um, uh, at that stage was um, boundaries, um, how many balls, do you, or boundary a ball or something. So if each batsman was uh, judged on uh, how often you hit a boundary. And I would hit boundaries less, I'd guess. But I get a lot more singles and twos and I'm up with the rate. But since this this lookout for boundaries was there, that theory didn't actually go my way. So um, got to go with times and go go with uh, who's in charge and whose uh, thought process matters. Yeah, and then you, uh, you know, turn to broadcasting. You know, you, you have become one of uh, the best recognized voices coming out of Sri Lanka. Again, fortune, I'd say, uh, because broadcasters generally look for very high-profile players. Um, if you look at um, most who are invited or given the opportunity, they are past captains. Now, I was none of this. I was someone who was happy to have played, been a part of something special and very happy about it. Uh, but from our side, there was not many uh, who could speak English. Uh, they were good at interviews, but not at uh, flowing English. So that's where the door opened for me uh, and there were initial challenges because we're thinking in another language, talking in English, there's got to be a filter, not as easy as it is for you, Monty, just let it flow. Um, grew with it, started enjoying it and then, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy where I am. Still do face lots of challenges in where you want to be, but that, that's life. And um, I, I see that I've been very lucky to not look at it as a job it's actually a lifestyle we love cricket we like watching it we like playing it and now you get to talk about it and um, have kind of one of the best seats in the house 
um so uh, i i think it's it's a real privilege uh, that um, being able to transition from cricket to broadcasting from my side um, but also you you're able to uh, commentate in you know two languages you know tamil and english so that gives you you know several options um is that something that if someone going into sports you know broadcasting or you know media journalism having other languages to you know speak about the sport uh, is 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 real useful asset to have if you could you should create opportunities or uh, options for yourself now when i started broadcasting um those options were not there these are things that have come up with time and this is uh, what we're talking about is very specific to india and india is the biggest market in viewing cricket so over the last 3 4 years india have uh, Uh, realized that um, they would like to watch cricket in their own language and there are so many different languages in a- every different state so they've identified the big bigger states in the IPL um, every team to that particular state the uh, the cricket goes out in the home language so that has now grown into international cricket and um, uh, generally it covers uh, seven eight uh, languages and they've now gone into other sports as well so these are opportunities so if you have a little bit of a, a, a knowledge of another language i think it's it's worthwhile uh, looking at it it's a different style it gives a different um, a different vibe and um, it, it's it's a lot of fun so i'm a tamil as you did mention before but my tamil's not fluent i studied in singalese because that's where life was in in colombo uh, but when um, this opportunity came along um, i've started polishing up my tamil um it's not 100% um it's different to the tamil that's spoken in chennai sri lankan tamil is slightly different mine's a little bit of a mix um a lot of english words also but my dialect my accent my perspective is different so it goes down well so if you're eating um um italy you can you it tastes better with sambar right with all the chutneys so you can take me as a uh, the mix and sambar's made of little bit of everything we don't know what goes in there but a lot of things go in there so it's it's like that so i make the italy taste better that's how i love, look at it well that's a lovely way lovely way of putting you know your 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 commentary style um you also have a kind of a close relationship with murli um being a tamil himself why is he called um the motormouth <laughs> well we we are friends a lot of the teammates from our time we played a lot of cricket together but our friendship has nothing to do with the fact that we are tamils um motormouth is not because um, i mean the mm is mutai amurli dharan but motormouth is because he he just loves talking he yaps away he's got an opinion on everything when the pressure is on he is such a competitor and he wants the runs on the board for him to bowl so he's that pressure uh he transfers on to batsman uh by having a goal let's them know if you've played a bad shot um i'm i'm in at 6 uh, he and i'm here now sitting nervously as hell to go in next now what am i going to do is vakar going to take my toe off these are the thoughts that's going through my head and morley will come you saw the shot he played crap shot don't you dare play the uh, oh. <laughs> okay so uh, he, he, it was like that that's why um it just rattles away it's good fun 
and uh, there are certain times it gets to you at situations like this but all, all in all great character to have and towards um, the latter part let's say mid 2000s 2005 6 7 the coaches identified this they'd make sure that they were the ones talking most to Murli so that he sat next to the coach and yapped to the coach and not have a go at us <laughs> so that's the way especially tom moody managed uh, uh, Murli going through but at other stages he was let loose because uh, he he was an ideal man to have in the dressing room and in the team bus again we are we, we falling asleep but he'll he'll keep going uh, who's the ugliest in the team uh, blah 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 these type of games and um, voting sessions do tend to take place and he's very interested to uh, make sure that he's he doesn't win that so so tell us an incident where murli said don't play that shot and you actually played that shot and got out <laughs> oh jeez no that's a hard one to think of um yeah you put me on the spot there monty <laughs> uh no I, I i i can't think of a situation such as that but um a time where he really did get annoyed with me i can relate it was a different situation 2007 world cup and it was a group it was all group games and when we played australia early we knew we had progressed the likes of murli were rested so i was the off spinner and i picked up two wickets hayden and gilchrist so in come the final, um, Gilly was going berserk and I go up to Murli and say, just bowl like me, go this way, do that. <laughs> I'm trying to be smart here and Murli really got annoyed with me and told me where to go. I can't repeat the words he said because uh, I believe this is a family program, uh, Monty. Well, you can say what, what as you <laughs> wish, but that is, I, I love the fact that you was telling Murlithran how to bowl. So that was brilliant. I, love yeah, I, I, I was trying to, and I was saying, you, I got him out. I know how to get them out. And he told me to get lost. <laughs> and uh, the game did uh, uh, float away. But no disrespect. I was just being a little bit cheeky and maybe trying to turn the mood around. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you obviously become, a, you've turned a full-time commentator. Um, commentating for cricket is actually um has be has a, has become a, a huge asset to the game you know to explain you know how complicated the game is the interaction with players like how difficult is it to actually um enlighten the viewers with what's happening you know with with, with what they're watching well it's initially um it's important from our point of view to know the rules the playing conditions they can all uh, change do your homework on players uh, so that there are different angles you can bring in but the best piece of advice that i did get early in my career was from tony greg because i used to commentate a lot he used to come back a lot to sri lanka um, when the summer i mean off of the summer that's in the middle of the year is when a lot of cricket happened in sri lanka tony was there and um his advice is if monty f finds you boring don't worry about it you are basically talking to the housewife who's in the kitchen try to get her attention try to teach her the game or someone who's not playing the game you're trying to teach them that's who you should be commentating to meaning monty is a cricketer monty knows the game so i don't need to be talking to him so if i, I that would mean in another word, in other words, that I got to be more basic, try and explain and bring in new viewers and um, newer fans. So that's the idea of it. 
controversial situations will arise, different situations will arise. If the rules and playing conditions need to be explained and the viewer enlightened, I think that's priority. What we feel about it, what we think, what could have happened, what should have happened is secondary. So we also should not get confused about it um, because that can easily happen. And we're talking about our feelings rather than actually the rules. Let's say, for example, the LBW rule, which can be complicated and it's, it's a difficult game. So we need to try and be basic and not forget who we are talking to. So when you're commentating and you're giving, let's say, strategic, tactical, you know, sort of, you know your views or advice do you have do you do you like have a particular audience in mind who you speak to yes to the plain and simple person um, and the audience will change you've got to know where the broadcast is uh, uh, primarily going to um, what you like is also important meaning i i could be statistically based a guy i might like numbers i might like stories i might like analyzing the game a lot that's your natural strength you should go with it but you, you should not forget that you've got to hold everyone's interest just like you have your strengths there are people have different things they like to listen to as well so you've got to try and cover as uh, most uh, uh, many bases as possible a bit of humor so that uh, try and enlighten as well as try and keep people um, engrossed in it so these type of things are important and i also believe um, when they say that you got to be neutral uh, i never believe in that yes you got to uh, uh, you got to be you got to have your heart in it so sri lanka's playing my 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 heart should be in it if not there's no feeling there's the, the truth's not coming in coming out you know the emotions is what everyone feels and that's what we like so i have no problem in in being uh, slightly biased 60 40 I take that, but not 100% because it's got to be, uh, at the end of the day, our job and priority is to uh, explain the game, but the, the opinion needs to go out. And uh, also constantly keep reminding you that there's nothing to say that when it comes to opinions, the rules, yes, but when it comes to opinions and likes and dislikes, there's nothing to say that I'm right. So you've got to be careful in criticizing people because at the end of the day, I'm only giving out an opinion. So in my view this is what i think that doesn't mean it's 100 percent right you can have your own view and sometimes your way works my way doesn't but there are days that my way works so it's it's a bit of give and take yeah i find that fascinating how you know certain views and the passion you got to be in in the in the game supporting your country which brings out the best in your commentating not necessarily supporting but i have to bring out the emotions in me towards that team if i know more about them if i know what they're thinking right now maybe i understand exactly what they're doing the game plan to watching you bowl that's what i mean not necessarily supporting them oh that's, yes so that so that leads me to then do you have a favorite moment that you commentated on and you were like wow i've got the tactics the strategy everything spot on and the viewers absolutely loved that moment um, well, there are a lot of times that I've been excited about it. Um, I, I, I've been very happy with um, lots of things that I've said. Um, before I answer your question, the most embarrassing thing I might have said was um, Sri Lanka were playing Pakistan in Sharjah and um, Sangakara on 50, Jayavardhana on 50, uh, 20 overs to go, 
151 to win. Pakistan were just 210 something. Sri Lanka already 151 for three. And um, they were panning to the crowd. There was this girl who was praying. Hands together and uh, smarty pants me just yapped. Oh, I don't think prayers are going to help. Blah, blah, blah. Because Sangakara, Jawadana, Half an hour later, Sri Lanka bowled out 178. So they still remind me, this happened seven, eight years ago. So that was still pretty embarrassing because the Pakistan fans don't allow me uh, to forget that. And uh, press going to help you now. They, they keep coming back at me, which is good fun. But I do feel quite embarrassed about that. But getting tactics right, spot, um, what should be done, not only from Sri Lanka's point of view, but from other teams as well. Um, I, I, think, I think I've got a good strike rate. Uh, but the most uh, special moment, I, I would say, would be when Sri Lanka, the final of the uh, 2014 World T20, where Sri Lanka won, calling that towards the end, when not many gave Sri Lanka a chance, but um, uh, saying Sri Lanka how to manipulate it and getting that right and getting the result right was, was pretty special. So what um, advice would you give to ex-cricketers going into uh, cricket commentary or, um, you know, in, in the cricketing, you know, media world? Um, be yourself. Um, identify your strengths and weaknesses and create your own market because everyone doesn't need to be the same. Everyone doesn't have to say the same. Your beliefs are, are so different of, um, and I, I believe in that. And people can criticize me for what I say, how I say it, my grammar. Um, but um, I have a certain way of thinking and I will stick to it. If I'm wrong for the moment, I will still believe in it. And more often than not, over a period of time, um, it, it tends to pan out. And another example I can give is when I started a commentary, I know my English is not perfect and I used to stress a lot on trying to get proper words in big words which even i don't understand um get the grammar right it, it was a very stressful period and where i couldn't even think of the game or what to say next because i'm thinking of the english uh but then after about a year or so um i kind of felt i'm different here yes i'm sri lankan my accent's different the way i talk is different and I don't need to sound English or I don't need to sound Australian. So I tend to calm down after that and focused on the content, the cricket, people's careers, uh, information about them, the tactical side of it, and didn't worry too much about the English. So I know I make mistakes. I'm happy to apologize, laugh at myself. And if you walk up to me and tell me, Monty, oh, you didn't say this right, your grammar's crap, I said, Hang on, Do you, did you understand what I said? That's it. Conversation ends there. As long as I'm understood, I'm happy. Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes a lot of people out there who want to be, you know, absolutely perfect. It's it's not about being perfect. It's about your message being understood, which I think, you know, do you have a fine job of, you know, you've got a really, you know, unique market, which I think, I think works so well. Um, so let's talk about, you know, the Lankan Premier League. That's kind of started and you're very passionate about, you know, Sri Lanka and its cricket. How important is the Lankan Premier League in developing the next generation of Sri Lankan cricketers coming through? Massive, massive. You've got to give them hope, uh, not only financially, but the opportunity to play on a, uh, a stage where they're learning. Uh, they'll share, younger players will share the dressing room with not only international 
uh, cricketers from Sri Lanka, but also overseas players. Because when we are seated outside Monty, more often we are just seeing players play. We see the rewards that they get and you just don't see the hard work that goes behind. That is very important. The steps these major players take to earn those million dollars. Life is not easy. So that's what you need to learn and sharing dressing rooms, rubbing shoulders. You tend to see that side of it. You get that into yourself and suddenly you'll, you'll even your confidence will grow knowing that skill wise and what you do might not be too far behind these guys it's just the way you think it's just the way your prep it could be a preparation belief uh, these type of things and suddenly life uh, clicks into place of then playing in front of crowds playing under lights playing on, on tv these are all very different feelings which people need to adjust to and um, lifestyle changes that's a massive issue uh, in Sri Lanka, I would say, because we are more all from timid, poor background. And suddenly the expectations, we are in the limelight, the rewards, and, and that can have a severe impact on life. So this is a, a, a stage where you can learn all these things. And hopefully those rewards Sri Lanka will reap in international cricket. So hopefully the second edition kicks off and we can build on it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, since I think the retirement of Sangakara and Mahela Jawadna, Sri Lanka cricket probably hasn't been as strong, you know, where it needs to be. Okay, let's go back to, you know, a bit on your commentary. Have you ever, what's the biggest backlash you've had on comments you made on a particular individual and suddenly Russell Arnold is the top trending topic? Oh, one incident was um, this, but I've never kind of got into trouble or uh, people haven't really come hard at me. They've, of course, questioned the things that I've said, but um, within reason, if needed, I, I, I've been happy to explain. Uh, and then there's also the belief um, that if you feel that you need to explain, to your, explain yourself to the guy shouting abuse at you on the hill, the fat guy on the hill having a beer, if you feel the need that you have to explain yourself to what you did or said to him, I think it's time to move on. So I'll say at this stage, I haven't felt that need at any stage, but there are, I mean, friends or acquaintances. Well, what did you mean? What, what, what is that about? But within reason, um, there are different angles that we see things in. I have explained myself and uh, we've moved on. Mahalaj Jawardhan has come here at me while he was playing uh, and um, questioned me on certain things, he said. And at that one, there was one certain instance where after he had a go at me, I realized I was wrong. I apologized and moved on. Um, but I really haven't, I really can't say that there's been a massive backlash um, that I've had to face. I think I've been pretty fortunate at that side. But of course, criticism and um, the insults do flow that's part of life which uh, which doesn't bother me at all good and the bad you move on yeah exactly i think if you if you want to be a, a media broadcaster then yeah that's the kind of attitude you need you know you can't be affected by um what, what people say about you yeah and um, on 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 that line a lot of people uh, would say that uh, okay let's say being biased right now i might be talking of my opinion my view right and you as a listener might be wanting to hear something a certain thing and that particular thing is not coming from me that doesn't mean i'm biased i'm not biased because i'm not saying what you want to hear 
So you've got to understand these type of things because uh, in any story, you'd say that's my side's there, Monty's side's there, and then the truth is also there. So in everything, there are different angles and uh, uh, something else can be important to me. So, uh, you know, it's not necessarily the same thing that's going to be important to you. So in human nature, we've got to understand these things and not worry, about, worry too much about it. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you. So, okay, one final question then. If you had to go to dinner and take four people with you, who would they be and why? Um, I'd take my family. Okay, well, I thought you would have had someone more interesting than the family. I guess family are our loved ones. I thought they would have been someone well, iconic in your life. So you 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 want me? Okay, basically, other than my my kids and uh, uh, family, immediate family that you're asking for. Okay, so I would ask uh, um, Mario Villavarain. He's been my childhood friend. He played cricket. Um, was not fortunate enough to play for Sri Lanka, but now he's a trainer, being trainer for Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, and now with Sunrises Hyderabad to entertain us. Okay, let's say uh, we'll invite Murli because we are all, we all um, get get on uh, well together. Uh, I wouldn't mind uh, inviting the principal of our school. He was a priest, Father Travis, because uh, guided us right through uh, as youngsters, and um, even. To this day, he knows us inside out. We're able to talk about the good old days and um, have, have a laugh with him and then still get good advice and keep us calm. So I think uh, um, he, he is a good option. And um, one more. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take those three. And um, yeah, I got I got a few other friends, but you want four, uh, so it's, I'll, I'll stick to those three for now because I can't bring family into this, can I? <laughs> well, thank you so much, uh, you know, Russell Arnold. I think you you know you're a fantastic commentator. You're a brilliant personality. You have your unique style, and thank you for giving us such a, a lovely account of, of how to become a successful commentator and you know the determination you to become you know you you were when you when you played cricket. Um, any final advice um, for people during these d difficult times? Stay safe, be smart. Uh, of course, um, know your strengths and weaknesses and, and keep working on them because uh, there are different perspectives, different opinions. Uh, if you know your strengths, your weaknesses and uh, align yourself to become a better person, I think things fall in yourself, uh, fall, fall in place. Okay. Well, thank you so much. That's been absolutely awesome. And I wish you all the best for your media career. Thanks, Monty, and good luck to you too. Thank you.